Welcome to Books with Bitches. I'm Maria. And I'm Madison. Welcome. And today we are going over a new book called The Red Tent by Anita Diamant. Yay. (laughs) So obviously we have a new book on our hands. And that means we get to go over who chose this book and why. So, Maria. Okay, so I chose this book simply because I was doing a... You know, I was going through my reading list on Goodreads of what I wanted to read. and Your to be read. A to be read list, which is massive. And so I was looking at different books that I could read. And this one popped up because every once in a while I like to read like not thriller books. So this changed the pace and I was very grateful for it because the monotony of just reading thriller books kind of was getting to me. So, Well, isn't that all you read in your, your free time too? Like, Yeah. I can't like I get stressed out I got stressed I got really stressed out reading Home Before Dark because Maggie was bugging me and then reading The Wife Between Us was like psychological torture for me and then here's the really funny thing about that because we were like talking about it so much or whatever and I was like looking shit up I was just scrolling one day and you know how Google listens to you and takes your Google searches or whatever I'm just scrolling and there's like an ad for divorce therapy or whatever and I, like one of my husband was like are you googling divorce are you trying to divorce me and he's like no no he's like aren't you reading a weird book about divorce and i was like maybe yeah it it got to be a little too much i was looking at my what i have read in the past month five out of five of the books were all thriller i've just been reading romance but novels lately so woo. <laughs> And I think the book that I have on my nightstand right now is a thriller. But I haven't started it, so yay. I have a spicy novel I have to start, so I'm excited. <laughs> so spicier than The Red Tent? You know, The Red Tent is un- unexpectedly spicy. <laughs> In a very awkward way. Very awkward way as well as me being... Yeah, I'm 26, but I am the most immature person when it comes to reading because i just am giggling the whole time okay that's funny that you bought the 50 shades of gray books and then you're also telling me like mentally you're also a five-year-old so okay (laughs) because i just am like imagining i don't let's not go into it we're gonna go into it when we talk about the summary (laughs) (laughs) okay so your initial thoughts on the book before Um, initial thoughts yeah before you started reading before before i started I really didn't know what to expect because when I was reading, you know, the summary that they have on Goodreads, I was like, oh, this is going to be a really good, like, uplifting, because mind you, I had no idea that this correlated to the Bible until I started reading it. But I was like, oh, this is going to be, like, super feminine, like, yay, all woman empowerment, we're bleeding in the same tent together. (laughs) And then my thoughts during, I was like, these women dealt with a lot of shit and, like, it blows my mind because if I had to be in that time period, I don't know if I'd survive. Maria's over here waving her red flag for the time period. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Could not survive. Zero out of 10 would not recommend. How did you feel? I mean, I didn't know it was Bible based either. I just thought the cover was like creepy. I don't know. I really like the cover. This is going to sound terrible. I thought she looks like know. Jesus. <laughs> I like pulled it off of the hold shelf at the library and I was like, is this the right book? And I was like, okay. <laughs> but no, I liked it. Um, 
while I was reading it. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't know it was going to be based off of a story I knew from Bible school. So that's cool. And some very unexpected twists and turns. And we will talk about how the Bible is not a very reliable source. Or maybe this is not a reliable source. I would like to see her sources. (laughs) Which really just means I need to read the Torah. (laughs) Well, I just wonder if this is like a romanticized version of Dinah's brief story in the Bible. Because it takes place in the book of Genesis is what I've read. Yeah. Uh, I believe Um, it starts... I have it pulled up, actually, because I was uh, reading it over because I'm insane. Uh, Genesis 21. So maybe it's hers is a romanticized version. So I have this. We can go ahead and just start going into like the chapters or whatever, because this is what I wrote for the prologue, because any good book starts with a prologue. Right. And I kind of wrote down like reading from Dinah's point of view is basically kind of how I felt reading um, the Song of Achilles after reading the Iliad, because you're like, oh, it's from a minor character's point of view, so you're going to get a new view on this. So I was like, oh, so it's kind of like Song of Achilles. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's romanticized. I just... It's kind of like, again, when I was talking about in our bonus episode of the Song of Achilles, it's just like I was talking about like um, homosexual erasure in history books. And you could argue this is just the Bible's erasure of women. Well, it's like that news article that I read where it was like males get the Bible and all females get is the red tent. Yeah. Because like you're constantly seeing different males names in the Bible and they're always talking about the stories of all these main names. The biggest female that I know in the in the Bible is the book of Ruth. And that's about her getting a man in the end. Yay, Ruth. <laughs> Yay, Ruth and Boaz. I need to go back to Bible school. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I guess, you know, we start with the prologue and we also have our family tree. I love family trees, especially when I'm you're just... fucked up like this. <laughs> Well, you got aunts and cousins and sisters and it's like that meme I tagged you in on Facebook where it's like all good books should have family trees, maps, prologues. The number of the series on the spine. Yeah. And really cool album covers, album covers, book covers. So I can effectively judge the books I read by their covers. (laughs) Right. Don't judge a book by its cover. No, I do. No, it's literally, I don't know why people say that. And it's just like, <laughs> it's literally the marketing team's job to make an interesting cover so people pick it up. Right. Pretty books sell better. Or <laughs> we get to see looking like Jesus on the cover. The astronomical amount of children that Jacob had. Yes, a lot of children. I mean, so obviously we're talking about this going over like the book of Genesis. But as we, is it apparent from the prologue? Yeah, because it's talking about the celebrated chronicle of Joseph, her brother. And I was like, oh, this is Joseph and his 12 brothers. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Jacob, I think he's, who is he? What does God name him later? He Isn't Jacob Israel? I'm not a practicing religious person. You should know yeah, this. How did you know this? Yes. <laughs> I don't, I'm not. I'm working on getting better. Uh, in response, God changed Jacob's name to Israel, which means let God prevail. God yeah. then promised Israel that the blessings that had been pronounced upon Abraham's head would also be his. Yeah. So this is like a really different point of view from a very prominent Bible story that I think 
isn't it? I know you said you didn't really know the story, but uh, there's like movies and I'm pretty sure there's a Broadway show with Ozzy Osbourne. There is a Broadway called Joseph and the Technicolor Coat. Isn't it basically like a very loose rendition of this story? Oh, I'm sorry. It's Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Is it Ozzy Osbourne? Let me see. I don't think so. I don't see his name on here. I need the dude who ate the bat to be Joseph. (laughs) Ozzy Osbourne ate the bird. Is it a bird? It's not a bat? No. Oh, he ate some animal on stage. That's all I know. Maybe it was a bat. I'm going to be... There's a bat and a bird. (laughs) He bit the head off of a bat. Okay. Anyways. (laughs) But... This is this a different is telling different. of a very popular Bible story. So I was like, oh, it's like, okay, I've said Song of Achilles so many times in this episode. Let's leave it at that. But the prologue continues to talk about how um, Barad didn't even know Joseph had a sister, first of all. Because <laughs> all they talk about is his 11 brothers in this Bible story. Like, I knew. I'm going to have to go over the Bible story. That was my homework for before this, but I didn't get it. I mean, that can just be the bonus episode. It's fine. I actually have it pulled up if you want me to send you the website. It's not, it's like 20 verses in the Bible. It's not long. We are just getting so off track this episode. I'm going to have to edit all of this out. (laughs) Anyways, in the prologue, what do you have to say about the prologue? I've been talking this entire time. You know more than me. Well, I was um, talking about like how I didn't I didn't know Joseph had a fucking sister. I didn't know she got raped in the Bible. Like what the fuck? And then she's like saying, "I'm more than a rape victim." Yeah, she should. I like the fact that like basically Dinah is talking about how important it was to be in the red tent and like how important it was for the mothers to have another female to carry on their stories and their traditions. Mm-hmm. Because we see in the book later on how. Dinah was like the the males were forced not forced but like that was their duty was to go and get the food and make the money and do all of this stuff whereas they're the ones that cook clean take care of the children have the babies and so I feel like she made it very important that their legacies keep on throughout history that they get to keep the stories passed on right right yeah. This also goes over how uh, Dinah's mothers loved her, each different things that she took from her four different mothers. Mm-hmm. And then I have... Well, it's like this the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And it's like each one of the mothers had something to give her and yeah. offer her, which I thought was pretty cool. This is a quote I thought was funny on page... It's page two of my weird large book. Okay. My father boasted about his noisy tribe, and the women loved my brothers, but they longed for daughters too, and complained among themselves about the maleness of Jacob's seed. Because daughters are the ones who go around helping, while the boys go out to the pasture and go do that. And then imagine if she couldn't pass on their stories to anyone. I know. Then they would be buried with them. Sons did not hear their mother's stories after weeding, so I was the one. And then... If we're done with the prologue, at the very end it goes, Blessings on your children, blessings on the ground beneath you. My heart is a ladle of sweet water brimming over. Sela? I don't know if I'm saying that right. But I don't know if that's a name. Or I think it is a word that means praise or forever. It's Hebrew. And it's 
defined in Psalms, and it means forever. But why is she saying, I guess my heart is a ladle of water brimming over forever? Probably. The original meaning is, it says praise, pause. The name is derived from the commonly book of Psalms, which is many Hebrew scholars in confusion over its meaning. So not even scholars know what it means. (laughs) I don't know. All right. But then we get into part one, her mother's story, which is basically where we start in Genesis verse 20. This predates Jacob showing up to, is it Laban? Laban. Laban's camp territory or whatever. Yeah, fuck Laban. He's not portrayed that bad in the Bible. (laughs) It's just the thing. I don't like him. (laughs) We should do video podcasts so they can just see you in your flag. Yeah, my red flags came in, everyone. I was very excited when Amazon was like, the red flags got delivered. And I was like, yes. I was like super confused. I got like a delivery notification. I was like, I didn't order anything. And then I opened it and I go, no fucking way. <laughs> okay, so. Isn't it fun finding weird packages on your doorstep? <laughs> Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice little surprise after a rough day. All right, so part one, chapter one, is basically how Jacob met his wives. However, he meets Rachel first and falls in love at first sight and kisses her. And then Rachel runs back, red flag, (laughs) runs back to the camp and says, I've met our cousin and I'm going to marry him. And then it goes on to like talk about how each of the sisters came to be. And how Ada named Lee, and Lee means mistress. And I was like, is that a good name to name your baby? It's Leela. Leah? Yeah, <laughs> you keep saying Lee. Okay, whatever. But Leah means mistress, so why would... Yeah. <laughs> well, they also portray... Okay, the whole time they were, like, describing Leah. Have you seen Encanto? No. Oh. Well, there's a character in Encanto that I kept picturing. Is this the big, strong lady that all the children love? (laughs) Yes. So that's what I kept picturing Leah looking at. And, like, Rachel, I think of her as, like, just tiny, thin, pretty girl. She's 14. (laughs) That's why I said girl. Uh, Zilpa reminds me of some, like, she don't take no shit. She reminds me of you. I am not skinny, nor do I have long black hair. I'm, I'm looking at you right now. Okay. I imagine Zilpa like as like stick thin like my little sister. Okay. Okay, we can go with that. <laughs> I was more so picturing Rachel as stick thin. I think I think Zilpa's described as like the tiny tiny one, but like tall, but like Rachel is just kind of like small. And then Bilha's Bilha. I keep saying her name wrong, but Bilha is just awesome and in a tree somewhere apparently. But yes, yeah, so we see we get introduced to all the wives prior to their marriage to Jacob. Mm-hmm. Oh, Leah had full high breasts and muscular calves. I was like, go girl. I <laughs> wish <laughs> I had nice calves. I'm sure you have very nice moo-moos. But I did like that Zilpa says, this is on page 15 for me of my small book. She goes, she described men as hairy, crude, and half-human Woman needed men to make babies and to move heavy objects, but otherwise she didn't understand their purpose, much less appreciate their charms. She loved her sons passionately until they grew beards, but after that, could barely bring herself to look at them. <laughs> I had that march too, and I was like, that's so sad. <laughs> She's like, fuck them guys, I don't care. <sighs> it's so sad. I feel like, I don't love my sons anymore. 
They're adults. They're ugly. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's probably how she felt. I No, it's, definitely... it's because as we find out later, she did not right. want boys. <laughs> but yeah, so we talk about Zilpa's sons. And then this is the one thing I was like, obviously, books don't start in the middle of nothing happen happening. So this started because Jacob showed up. But it annoys me that everything happens around Jacob. It's like Jacob is the center of attention and the center of their universe. And I'm just like, no wonder they wrote the Bible about dudes. And how Rachel was obsessed with him and then got mad that Leah. That whole situation was annoying. Okay, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying. But I have... Yeah, it's like every everything seems to just... To just always be about Jacob and the events involve Jacob and only Jacob. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I was tired of hearing about Jacob. Tell me about your lives together as sisters, weirdos. Oh, this is about Zilpa. This is page 18 of my large book. Zilpa had a terrible time. Okay, so Jacob was so exhausted he nearly missed his meal that Leah brought forth with so much passion. Zilpa had a terrible time waking him and finally had to pour water on his neck, which startled him so badly he swung out his arms and knocked her to the ground where she hissed like a cat. (laughs) And that's after he showed up. After like, was he in the well? I think so, yeah. Which also, is Jacob, how did you fall down the well? But also, Joseph is thrown into a ravine. So maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. And he's also, he's only there because he's uh, like running away from his brother, right? Yeah, because Esau, um, him and Esau didn't get along. Well, they're Something tw- happened between the two. Well, they're twins, so they're probably like fighting for birthright at some point. Probably. But I think he's the younger of the twins, so mm-hmm. he probably would have gotten his mother's birthright, but it's weird. And then I also have the, when Leah's talking about how she was just staring at Jacob and everything. And she's like, I knew how to please his mouth, I thought, and I will know how to please the rest of him. See, you can understand why I giggle like a little girl reading these, because I'm like, uh-huh, Well, they're edgy. talking about food, but that's like an innuendo, so it's like... I know. They'd be getting it back in the day. Well, uh, I think... I don't know if it was listed yet, but apparently, like, Leah's, like, the one who makes all the sexual jokes. Well, Leah's horny... All the time. She's a big strapping woman who can push out fucking eight babies. Like, go her. She is, yeah. I I like Leah a lot. And then we have, how do you say their father's name again? Laban. Laban, after he won't touch his wife anymore because she's past her childbearing years. And then I have, like, the ewes running away from Laban. And I was like, this is bestiality. Well, the fact that it says his other three women had died or run off and he couldn't afford the new- a few coins for a homely slave girl, much less the price of a new bride. So he slept alone, except for the nights he found. And then the fact that he, like, tried touching his daughters. And then, who was it? Ada? She basically beat him with a pestle. <laughs> uh, I would beat my husband with a pestle uh, well, if he yeah, touched obviously. my fucking kid. Like, I would probably kill him. But this also just shows you the strength that the woman had against him, and I don't think he liked it for that reason. Like, he was like, I'm supposed to be considered a man, yet he's not a man because they literally consider him a coward and a sloth. Well, that's why Jacob doesn't like him, and he doesn't like Jacob. They should have just killed him. (laughs) 
And then, um, Jacob's dogs were soon the envy of other men who offered to buy them. Instead, he traded a day's work for the stud of the male cur with cunning wolfish eyes. When the smallest of our bitches bore the wolf dog's letter, Jacob praised her puppies and traded the four of the five for what seemed to be a mountain of treasure, which he quickly converted into gifts that proved how well he had come to understand Laban's daughters. I'm gonna keep saying his name wrong. <laughs> he gave that ring to Rachel and she was so excited about it. Yeah. It said she wore it until her death. But it was also funny how, like, you know, he was arguing with Laban about, you know, I want Rachel, what, like, I need a dowry, whatever. And Laban was like, you're your mother's son, all right. You think the world owes you anything. Don't get too proud with me, you afterbirth. And, or I'll send you back to your brother's long knife. Was this about yeah. the seven years of labor? Because that's what it says in the Bible. No, I was just going to talk about how... They basically said, no, Rachel couldn't get married to you yet because she hadn't had her period. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that she tried all like these different like five minute craft were the DIY period. <laughs> like it was just it just made me laugh because I was like, I remember when all of us. I don't know if this was the same for you, but I, I was I didn't know what a fucking period was. Until it happened, and I'm sitting on the toilet, and I was like, I'm dying. <laughs> and my mom was like, I didn't think it would happen to you this soon. And, like, she sat me down, and then my dad came to me, and he goes, you're a woman now. <laughs> uh, no, um, I got mine really late. Like, I already been through sex ed and everything, and I was like, all right, this hasn't happened yet. It's gonna happen. So I wasn't freaked out when it happened. And then when it happened, I didn't tell anyone. You didn't have a period party? No. I They did not <laughs> cover my hands and... Henna. Did they do henna? Or like, what mm -hmm. is that? I, don't, I didn't like lay down in the field. Well, like the fact that she was... She, it says, Rachel bled her first blood and cried with relief. Ada, Lee, and Zulpa sang the piercing throaty song and announced the birth, birth and woman's ripening as the sun set on the new moon when all the women commenced bleeding. They rubbed henna on Rachel's fingernails and on the soles of her feet. Her eyelids were painted yellow and they slid every bangle, gem, and jewel that they could find on her fingers, toes, and ankles. They covered her head with the finest embroidery and led her into the tent. They sang songs for the goddesses of Inanna, the lady of Asherah of Sea. They spoke to Elith, the mother of the 70 gods, including Anna in that number, and the nursery maid, the defender of mothers. The nursemaid. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I just clean nurseries. <laughs> I just thought that was awesome, though, that they had, like, this whole celebration. Because, like, I don't know, like, when you're with your friends and, like, you guys get on the same cycle and you're like, oh, my God, same cycle, yay! <laughs> I'm on the same cycle as one of my husband's friends that he plays video games with. And she just, she always texts me or she texts him whenever she's bleeding and she goes, how is blood sister? <laughs> as soon as Rachel, so... As soon as the women rose from their monthly rites, Rachel demanded that the wedding date be set. Does it, how, did, how many years did it take her to get her period? Or was it just months? I think it took her a few months. It said nine months. So finally in the ninth month after Jacob's arrival. She so she's like 14, 15 now? Mm -hmm. I just, Leah's not even married. <laughs> how dare she not be married but then you know we go into chapter two and rachel was sad leah sowed aside like a cow in labor you know because she's so beefy and <laughs> zilpa sulked 
Only Bilha seemed untouched by the turmoil, spinning and waving, pulling weeds from the garden, intending to aid his fires. I feel like Bilha, I wish I could be her. She does not have a care in the world. Bilha's awesome. Meanwhile, today, I texted Joshua. I was like, I deleted Facebook. I am i can't do this. And he goes, what the fuck is happening? What? Like, I don't know how to help you. And I was like, I'm just going through my depression phase right now. Don't worry about it. That's how I felt when I got up this morning. I was like, today's not going to be a good day. Yeah, I could tell by your text. So I was like, all right, I'm just not going to respond. I sent you a video of a pig. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, like after I sent that, I sat, um, I sat at the kitchen table for like twenty minutes, and it's like, was I being mean? I knew. I was like, nah, she's, we'll be fine once we do our little. That's why I sent you the video of the pig, and I was like, I really don't care. <laughs> but but we see that Jacob and Rachel are like <laughs> flirting it up. I put for chapter two. It's like we learn about Jacob's family, and then <laughs> if I can find the, I should have written down the page. Oh, here it is. I think Rachel's talking about the time, like, he hugged her or whatever. I know what they all thought, my sisters and the shepherds, but we never touched. Well, only once he held me to his chest, but then he began trembling and pushed me away. After that, he kept his distance, which was fine with me. He smelled, you know, much better than most men. But still, the smell of goat and of man was overpowering. I would run home and bury my nose in coriander. And I was like, so we learn about Jacob's family history and that boys smell. The fa- like, I was just, okay, this is also why I'm immature when it reads, when it comes to reading this book, because I can just imagine how stinky everything is. Everything was back then. And like, I can just imagine how stinky the sex must be. Let that sink in for a little bit. I don't want this to sink in. I'm sure it didn't smell that bad because everything smelled like that. Yeah, and they used like oils. And you're like used to it. Though they did say the camp was always well run and clean and provisioned and busy. Well, that's because of Leah. Yay, Leah. I love her. Green flag. Let's see. We also care for Jacob. Yeah, yeah. while Jacob spoke sweetly to Rachel, Leah suffered. She lost weight and neglected her hair, though never her duties. The camp was always well run, clean, provisioned, and busy. Which is more that we can say about Leah because she doesn't let anything get her down. We'll talk about someone else later. Right. And it says, like, on page 34 for me, so the next page, um, Leah tried to ignore the desire of her own body, and Rachel was unaware of anything but the preparations for a wedding. But Zilpah saw lust everywhere she looked. To her, the whole world suddenly seemed damp with longing. Leah tossed and turned at night. So she's obviously, you know, very confused, very just, like, sad. And Zilpah had seen Jacob in the fields leaning against a tree, his hands working his sex until he slumped over and released. Zilpah's just like, y'all nasty. <laughs> it said Zilpah was the best spy. But also, I'm all for Jacob masturbating versus going to the ewes. She fucking. <laughs> Poor sheep. I feel so bad for the animals in this book. I don't think, I think it's against like, because... Jacob is Jewish, and I'm pretty sure it's against their beliefs for bestiality. So obviously, the wives are not Jewish yet, as we see from all the gods and goddesses. We need to figure out what religion this is. They are. Yeah. Um, I do also want to notice that, like, Zilpa, because obviously she's noticed the love triangle that's going on with Jacob, Rachel, and Leah. And how she says, still, she wanted to make this river flow in a direction of her choosing. 
Zulpa also wished to make the lovely Rachel, Rachel suffer just a little. So basically, like, Zulpa led to Rachel freaking out about this wedding and not going through with it. Okay, but I can't say what she did was right. But I think it's funny. Again, let's go over the pot. Madison's a terrible person. We know this. Zilpa, and I said, Zilpa reminds me of you. She's not terrible, but she's mischievous. But also, she's like, no, like, Rachel's doing too much. Well, I don't, you didn't read what was in the parentheses, which is what I thought is the funniest. That's what Zilpa always called her. Uh, here comes the lovely Rachel. She would say vinegar in her voice. But it also made me laugh. This is the funny part. When she said, Zilpa told her nervous sister that the shepherd spoke of Jacob's sex as a freak of nature. Twice the size of that of any normal man, she whispered, demonstrating an impossible length between her hands. I literally <laughs> just pictured Zilpa going like this. <laughs> She's just like, it's my forearm. It, it is third leg. <laughs> And then Zilpa took Rachel up to the highest pasture and showed her the boys having their way with the ewes who bleated pitifully and bled. Poor sheep. The older sister commiserated with the trembling girl, whispering poor thing as she stroked Rachel Harris. Poor female thing. Which is so mean. But I also just like, it annoyed me because like she she basically begged her sisters to save her. And she pulled out handfuls of her hair she ran her fingernails down her cheeks until she drew blood. She wept as we tried to dress her for the banquet. She cried, claiming she was unready and unwell and too small for her husband. She even tried the trick with the crushed berries and lifting her skirt and whining that Jacob would kill her if he found mood blood in the nuptial bed. I told her to stop behaving like a child, for she wore a woman's belt. Like, I was like, at, at that point, like, what do you do? Like, how would you as a sister react to this? I don't have sisters, so I wouldn't know. You tell Jacob, hey, she doesn't want to marry you. But instead, they trick him and send Leah muscle calves out there. Okay. Look, the Bible portrays this as, like, an actual trick. Like, Laban and Leah conspiring against Jacob to, like, get, like, seven more years of work out of. Which we see from this, it's not seven years. Like, it says right. in the Bible, it's seven months, which isn't that bad. Right. Considering you get a wife and her concubine or her servant. I don't know. <laughs> and considering the height differences between Leah and Rachel, there's no way he didn't notice. And right. it says that in the book. <laughs> but yeah, no. And it's weird in the Bible where it's like Leah is literally the mistress and it's like the unwanted wife. And then this you see it's different and you see leah's uh anxiety with this because she's like at first i said no he would know at once for no veil could hide the difference in our height he would refuse to have me and then i would be damaged goods unmarriable unmarriageable and nothing to be done but sell me for a slave and i was like rachel you're really gonna do this to your older sister because you're scared of a i'm just over here like take one for the team right what well, i bookmarked because i'm silly Jacob was good to me. This is the when they consummated the marriage. Jacob was good to me. He was slow to enter me the first time, but he finished so quickly I barely had time to calm down before he fell still and heavy upon me, like a dead man, for what seemed like hours. Talk about a horrible <laughs> first time. He's probably a virgin too. I mean, obviously, but I'm just saying, to pump chomp. They don't stop there. 
They go after. Oh, I know. They that go again after. <laughs> and apparently Jacob is a very generous lover. Which I was I was actually surprised about because you know how like you read stories about time this type this time period and it was like they really treated women as property but like he has genuine emotions and like opened up to Leah and like I think that that's where their bond formed. Here's the weird thing about this story in general is like the tricking and Jacob having the multiple wives compared to the fact that he literally came from Abram and Rebecca and I think technically Abram had one wife but I think he also had the concubine or I don't even think it was a concubine it was her servant and then she was like sleep with my servant because I can't get pregnant and then they throw the right. servant aside once Rebecca gets pregnant because yeah, we're great people in the the Catholic religion but basically like Jacob says like he was taught by his father like how to treat a woman which I was like that's impressive because you don't see that very often like you have Laban as a prime example that he can't even we see with what's her name um his his concubine r-u-t-i ruti yes his which her her story that is so sad yeah but i have after the seven days of the marriage the he would go to laban and say i've been duped i was given strong wine and you have given me the haradan leah rather than my beloved rachel my labor for rachel was repaid with swindle for i have for which i demand restitution and although I spent these seven days and seven nights with your eldest girl as my duty required, I do not consider her my wife until you make me a dowry in her name and until Rachel is also mine. Which just puts, like, Leah in a bad situation. <laughs> she agreed to it. Leah just gives and gives and gives. Yes. She is the matriarch of the family. Like, after Ada dies, she becomes the matriarch. I mean, she's the one running the camp anyways, so if, mm-hmm. if she doesn't get the, the role of head wife anyway, right? it wouldn't be right, you know what I mean? Which, oof, I think we find out later, it's like, Rachel gets nasty about this. Oh, yeah, it's the next page. I was about to, Rachel spat at his feet and stormed off. By the nuptial, by the end of nuptial week, she had come to the... Come to regret the panic, obviously. Like, because you're just dramatic. I don't like Rachel. I haven't liked her from the beginning. She's also a child. Yes. <laughs> I know this. But still, hashtag drama, and I don't like it. <laughs> I feel like any time, except for the, with the exception of, like, one or two characters, you're just like, this person's, like, weird. I don't like them. And I was like, they're literally a kid. And you're like, they should know better. <laughs> And so I felt reading my, the book I just finished, it just like pissed me off. I'm just like, why are you doing this? I understand, but why? There are going to be consequences for your actions. Yeah. Which Rachel doesn't seem to realize. No. And then when Rachel screamed, you evil-eyed lummox, you only wish Jacob loved you as he loves me, but he never will. I am the one. I am his heart. You are a broodmare, you pathetic cow. Talia is just like, so cruel and i was like all right rachel chill the fuck out yeah no i did not like her for that and then i put rachel has always been a selfish little c- and there is no bile in leah's sadness when jacob lay with his other other wives indeed she delighted in all her sons and 
had most of them at her own breast at one time or another. She could depend upon Jacob to call for her at least once once or twice in the month for the talk about the herds and for the extra cup of sweet beer on those nights she knew they would sleep together his arms locked around his waist and the next morning her family would bask in her smile and enjoy something good to eat and it's just dinah basically says leah and rachel finally get along but i cannot like i can only feel how like leah you know she has true feelings for jacob and then like having to see her with rachel or him with rachel like yeah that would that would definitely suck but again Leah is so kind that she's like, no, I have love for everyone. Yeah. Well, if you're the head of the family, you kind of, you just suck it up. Right. And then, you know, she's having, she's, she's pregnant at this point. Rachel is also pregnant at this point. But then she started to bleed. I know. So sad. Yes. Extremely sad. But this is where you get the whole thing in like the Bible where it's just like, because Leah wasn't the favored wife, God took pity on her and opened her womb. And then in this, you're just like praying to goddesses, man. Right. But then you also see that like, I don't think, I'm pretty sure like you can tell Leah is the favorite wife. It kind of seems that way. Yeah. But then we also do see like the womanhood of like how they try to like help Rachel and like take care of her. Bruh, that was so gross what when they're like when her water broke and they're like put your hands in the river of life and i was like oh yeah (laughs) i mean at that i guess at that time they would do anything that they could to try and get pregnant because of course that's their job i was just like okay okay let's take a bath in the amniotic fluid why don't you i mean people eat placenta don't get me started on people who eat placenta okay it's good for you Please don't eat your placenta if you have a child. I am. You are? Yeah. It's good for you. It's good. You know, you can, like, save it for stem cells if you ever, like, get cancer or something instead. I'm not going to eat it, like, cook it. Someone brought a blender to the hospital. No, I'm going to make pills out of it. (laughs) Anyway, okay. We still have a lot of The notes I have... For this chapter, despite the fact that it keeps going and talking about all the fucking kids that they have. Yeah. So that's basically what it is. It's basically them having kids and how... Well, I think at one point, like... So I think, is it this where Leah basically says, Yo, Zilpa. Oh, no. That's the next chapter. Never mind. Okay. And then it's just like Rachel becoming a midwife because she can't have kids. And I was like, is this where the stereotype type started the whole like i can't have kids so i will be a midwife um i did say that i started to like rachel a little bit at this point where she tried to become the next ina and like taking care of babies and mothers that like because she couldn't but then you also start to see like it does begin to wear on her because she's like i'm helping deliver all these babies but i can't even have my yeah, but isn't there a stereotype and it's like, oh, if you can't have kids, be a midwife? Uh, I've never heard of that, but there might be. But yeah, how many kids does Leah have at this point? I think at this point, because she just had... It, she just had Judah, so Judah, I think it's yeah. three or four. Let's see. It's four. Dang, she's just popping them out. Go her. All right, chapter three. This is when we see Rachel just like 
this is why Leah is the head of the family. Because despite Leah being sad that, oh, my little sister is going to marry the guy that I love, just mm-hmm. still like going around the camp and doing her chores. And now we just have Rachel being like, I'm not going to get up out of bed unless someone makes me. Yeah. And then we do see the growth of Bilha as a character and how she was like, I will have a baby for you. And like, yeah, it kind of pulls Rachel out of her depression. But then she just spirals back in when she's like, it's not my baby. Right. Which made me sad for her, but also like it's going to happen. I, I was very confused. Like it was nice of Bilha to offer. I think she just wanted to be with Jacob. I think that's what it says. Yeah. She wanted a baby. Yeah. Bilha knew that even though her offer to Rachel was made out of love, it also served her own heart's desire. She understood Rachel's longing because it was her own. She was well into her childbearing years. The sounds of lovemaking and the close world of our tents had roused her at night, leaving her shaken and sleepless. Attending her sister's births only made her wish to become part of the great mother mystery, which is bought with pain and repaid in the end. sparkling smile and silken sheets her breasts ached to give suck yeah fuck that Uh uh-uh i don't want to i no you don't want to be a surrogate mom no i would even the process of getting pregnant okay the doing the stuff before you get pregnant yeah that's great but the being pregnant no thanks i don't want to lose teeth i don't want to shit myself when i'm giving birth I don't want to lose my hair. I'm going to fat and frumpy. You don't know if that's going to happen to you. All for a kid who's going to drain me of my happiness. Maria, children are a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah. uh, Going back to my rant. Well, then, so technically, like, Rachel, so Bilha has Rachel's, technically Rachel's child, but it's not hers. Right, obviously. Because, like, obviously, like, Bilha's going to be the one breastfeeding it because Rachel can't produce breast milk. Yeah. Like, it was very weird for me to have to, like, read this and, like, read about Rachel's delusional happiness. Yeah. Like, I was just like, I don't understand. Like, did you not think this through? Can I read the part that made me giggle like a little girl in front of Joshua? Go for it. Okay, because we're right, we're here talking about, um... How Bilha was crying because it's like she was she was finally going to Jacob. You know, her and Rachel had talked about what they were going to do. And so it says, he comforted me with that poor gift without a word. And I stopped crying. I smiled into his face. And then, oh, I was so bold. I could hardly believe it was me. I put my hand upon his sex and laid his hand upon mine. He lifted my skirt and massaged my belly and my breast. I looked at Joshua and I said, if you massage my belly before we do anything, I am smacking your hand off me. <laughs> so what did he proceed to do? We were in the kitchen and he goes like this with his hand and is like, I like your belly. <laughs> anyway, so then we continue. He buried his face in between my thighs and then I started laughing because I was like, oh, it's probably stinky. <laughs> and I almost laughed out loud with the shock that I had fallen into a pool of, oh, yeah, of pleasure. When he entered me, it was as though I had fallen into a pool of water. It was as though the moon were singing my name. It was all I hoped for. This is spicy. 
Yes. It was very... I was not expecting that when you said, let's read The Red Tent. And I was like, oh, cool, like, powerful women shit. Okay. Ancient sex scenes. (laughs) And then we have uh, Leah being rude to Zilbach. (laughs) One night when I was walking in the light of the full moon, she appeared before me. Zilpa said, at first I thought I was dreaming. My sister slept as heavily as heavily as Laban and never rose at night. Her own babies had trouble rousing her, but here she was in the stillness. We walked in the bright white light of the lady moon, hand in hand for a long time. And again, I wondered if this was really my sister or a ghost. Because the woman beside me was silent, whereas Leah always had something to say. Finally, she spoke with careful words about the moon. She told me how much she loved the white light and how she spoke of the moon and called her by her name every month. Leah said the moon was the only face of the goddess that seemed open to her because of the way the moon called forth the filling of her, the filling and emptying of her bellies. Blah, blah, blah. Essentially, Leah's like, yo, Zilpa, you gotta consummate this marriage. <laughs> Are you ready to swallow the moon at last? <laughs> Oh, no. Now I get that dumb meme my (laughs) husband made. (laughs) Oh, I don't know what the meme is. He took a picture of the moon and went in MS Paint and just put an equal sign and wrote, like, in shitty MS Paint, like, with your mouse. It's like, the moon equals come. (laughs) Oh, Madison. (laughs) Well, I was like, what the fuck are you, why, why does the moon equal come? And now I, now I get it. <laughs> but then we see, you know, Leah basically, like, encouraged Silpa to consummate the marriage. She was not in it. Look, I, I, I wouldn't be either. the impression that Zilpa is asexual. That Maybe where she's she in love with Leah, and I don't think it's that one. Yeah, no. Maybe she likes girls, but not her sisters. I was just like, I feel like she's asexual because she just. She didn't care. She doesn't. She doesn't like men anyway. I just. I just think she just like is asexual, aromantic because it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like she has like any needs. Right. Other than hanging out with her tree. What? Her tree. Oh, but then when it talks about her labor. Oh my god. Oh, I thought she died. Well, she's like like. She is described as very tiny, and she's basically yeah. lugging around this giant planet. And that her tips, her hips were too narrow. And so obviously that's going to affect the labor. But the fact that she was in labor for three days, and that they said she was all but dead from the pains, which, as strong as they are, did not seem to bring the baby any closer to this world. I was like, this, she's going to die. I was like, of all the kids that they've had so far... One of them is going to cause one of the mothers to pass away. And I even, I was like, oh my gosh. And Joshua looked at me and goes, what's wrong? I was like, the sister died. And then I was like, no, never mind. After 10 days, she moaned and lifted her hands. I dreamed of two sons. She croaked, is it so? And they brought the babies to her. Which is also like, she's just like, I didn't want two boys. I wanted the goddess yeah, in my dreams. She wanted the baby girl. Which makes me think that maybe she had triplets. But it, like... Lost one. It lost one, like, early enough that it got reabsorbed. I don't know. It could be. Weird theories. I feel like they have a lot of dreams, too, of, like, what kind of... Well, Zilpa's also supposed to be, like, the 
the one who can like see predictions mm. in the future, but apparently she's not good at it. <laughs> Which is, you know. Well, I think Bill has like better at it, but that's like not her her wheelhouse. Yeah. And then we have um Rudy also has given Liban like two other boys, but then she comes running to the sisters and uh begs for a miscarriage. Yes. And I can see why. Like but the fact that they all treated her like even the woman treated her like the the slave that she was, but like even worse than a slave, I feel. Like it just broke my heart for her. Because she had no way out. It's that, and you would think it's like, please extend the courtesy that you would like onto others. However, Rudy understands why. Because one, she is a slave. And two, if she keeps having kids, they're going to go up against their children for, like, the rights, you know? Rudy and how she's asking, like, begging Rachel. Well, it's like, I understand because it's like, you it's so whatever kid rudy has is also going to compete with whatever the daughters are to get from whenever they leave whenever laban dies even though rudy herself has done nothing wrong other than be bought as a slave right and what bothered me is like that they treated her like shit like they didn't acknowledge her they never looked at her but then it says at the bottom like bill has eyes blazed we are no better than he is to have let her suffer alone to have given her no comfort no help i was like you're saying this but you're not doing anything about it but it's like one of those it's like one of those dumb things it's like those dumb honor things are like well i can't do that because then i look like the idiot even though it's the right thing to do but rachel comes in clutch Which I didn't know that was actually a thing. Yeah, I just thought we hit people with baseball bats. Or kick them in the stomach, as violent as that sounds. but You and me just being terrible people over here. (laughs) But it's like, it's a thing. Like, no one really ever talked about it. Like, they're always talking about having children. But it's like, what happens when you don't want that child? Like, obviously, she's thinking about herself. And she's like, I am literally nothing, which we come to see later, Yeah, how she's treated. Like, that's not a life that she wants to live. But I think it also happened after uh, Leah had her twins. They had a fennel seed drink that, like, mm-hmm. made it so you couldn't conceive. Right. Which is, like, plan B, I guess. <laughs> I think it's more like birth control, but... But, yeah, so then... And, like, yeah, where we see here, like, after that happened, then Leah was, like, trying to old remedy of... Soaking a lock of wool in olive oil and placing it at the mouth of her womb. But, like, obviously that didn't work. She's shoving it inside. Look, as a kid, okay. I was always told, like, you don't stick anything up there. <laughs> you don't stick anything in holes. <laughs> yeah. Fingers, weird objects, they don't go inside of you. And then, but we do see that Leah is pregnant and she wants Rachel to do the same thing that she did with Rudy mm-hmm. of, you know, Causing a miscarriage to happen, and then Rachel says, "Do not says, do no. away with your daughter. You are carrying a girl." And look it, we get Dinah. Yeah, Dinah. Yay! And like the fact that each of the sisters had a dream about her, I was like, "That's kind of that's kind of cool." Okay, but Rachel's dream of Dinah is like creepy. 
Rachel dreamed of my birth. You appeared at your mother's womb with your eyes open and your mouth full of perfect little teeth. Can you imagine a kid coming out with, like, fucking teeth? (laughs) While she's pregnant with uh, Dinah, Rachel finally gets pregnant. Yay! Yay! Finally. And, like, she's the happiest they've ever seen her. Yeah, you wanted this kid for, like... A long time. Since she was 15. I'm going to say, like, it's been, like, nine years now. Yeah. That's based, like, like, that's based generally on how many kids Leah has had. But I think, like, too, like, this goes back to, again, their whole job is to give birth. So I think, like, they were looked at as, like, obviously something's wrong with you. You're not doing what God puts you on, like, what you were intended to do here on Earth. So I can see why she was probably, like, I... I have not, like, I don't have a purpose in this life. And then we have Rachel giving birth to Joseph. Yay. Joseph, yay. But Rachel, okay, it made me laugh. <laughs> she a gets bit mad again. Old anger at Leah flared at that, but it vanished when she discovered that Joseph was a fretful baby who screamed and squirmed until he lay in his own mother's arm. I was like, you are so petty. <laughs> Can you imagine waiting nine years for this fucking baby and then you can't even breastfeed it? I know. That would be very emotionally. So it's like, I understand. But also, she's making sure your baby doesn't fucking starve. Right. So we begin with <clears throat> part two, her dinosaur story. So she basically talks about how her and Joseph... Um, they were constant companions because they were so close in age. She talks about how, like, the brothers, like, Reuben, Simon, Levi, and Judah were about the same age. So, of course, they were their their own little clique. But, like, Reuben and Simon were the nicer of the two. And Levi and Judah were fucking assholes. I mean, isn't that the way it always is, kind of? Yeah, but, like, they're, like, even worse than I would imagine. Like, my brothers weren't that bad. Your brothers don't have, like, a 10-year age gap. Juan and Marco do. I have a 7-year. Oh, do they? Yeah. Ruben's um, just the oldest, also... and he's just like, I have to deal with all of this shit. Right, right. He's like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to be brought into this world. Um, You know, and then I liked how, like, Gad and Asher were playing with them, but then, you know, Simon and Levi stopped and like, look at the babies, blah, blah, blah. So then it was just Joseph and Dinah again. Um, and then we see here how Leah was the best mother, but she was not the best teacher. And that she was like, how do you not know how to do this? Because nobody taught and, me, motherfucker. And it just makes me think about when I was younger, sitting at the kitchen table doing math homework. And like my dad would make us cry because we couldn't get the questions right. <laughs> I saw a meme on Reddit where it's like, y'all be crying over your math homework. And then it was like. Someone's never sat at the kitchen table crying for three hours as your dad yells at you, What's three times seven? Instead of, like, explaining the question, it was it got louder each time he'd just repeat the question, and you're like, oh my gosh. Childhood trauma. But I just want to bring up the fact that the younger boys were playing and worshipping the, the babies. It's... It's foreshadowing if you know this story. Mm, no, I wouldn't. I'd... Okay. Um, I like the story that Bilha 
had told Dinah to learn how to spin. To learn how to spin, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's sweet of her. That's a very cute also, story. I just liked how all of them had some type of input in raising her and bringing her up. Well, like, she might not be their daughter, but she's their daughter. Yeah. And they tell her, sorry, this girl, she got all the cheese mess. She's being like, she's like, I know all the secrets. I know all the gossip that's going on. And they act like I'm not there half the time. So they don't care. <laughs> I think we can move on to chapter two, because unless there's anything else you want to talk about in chapter one of her story. Um, I don't even know where chapter two is. Well, I think so. We get to the fact that um, you kind of see more of the relationship between Jacob and Leah. Mm-hmm. And then my mother who never wanted for words nearly stuttered as she spoke husband father of my child beloved friend she said i come to plead a case without merit for pure pity's sake husband she said jacob she whispered you know i place my life in your keeping only that my father's name is an abomination to me even so i come to ask that you redeem my father's woman from slavery into which he has sold her a man from Karamish has come to claim Rudy, whom Laban staked in a game of chance as though she were an animal from a flock or a stranger among us and not the mother of his sons. I ask you to treat her better than your own husband. I ask you to act as the father. We see he stood above Leah, whose head was bowed and looked down at on her tenderly. Wife, he said, took her hands to raise her up. Leah, their eyes met and she smiled. I was shocked. I had come to watch Rudy's story unfold, but I discovered something else altogether. I saw in the heat between my mother and my fa- my mother and her husband, I saw that Jacob could cause the glow of ascent and happiness that I thought I only I could summon from Leah. My father was handsome, I realized. My father was worthy of my mother. And she was jealous, which I can be like, okay, that's understandable, but it's also like there's a difference between loving your significant other and loving your child. Well, this is an ancient Greece, and we don't have nine different words for love, so. Ah, yes, good point. <laughs> Song of Achilles reference. Oh. <laughs> uh, but then, basically, they saved Ruti, which is great, because who would have known what could have happened to her if she, she probably would have been treated even worse than what would she was she? I don't know. It was like, Laban's pretty bad. You like but to like, think you would only upgrade from that. But you're a slave, so who knows? See what else do you? Yeah, Laban sucks. Yeah, he's horrible, absolutely. And then I have chapter two. Well, we also have. I think after this, Rudy is just like she loves Leah. After this, she like fucking Mm -hmm. follows her around like a fucking dog. Like no way. And then here we see like that they're they're gonna begin the move. Mm -hmm. Um, I had bookmarked on page one twelve. Is this in chapter two? Yeah, this is in chapter two where like Leah meets Jacob in the field and she and Dinah's walking behind her and she's like, I stopped as my mother walked ahead. The world seemed so perfect, so complete, and yet so impertinent that I nearly wept. I would have to tell Zilpa about this feeling and ask if she knew a song for it. But then I realized that something in the universe has shifted. Something important had changed. I searched the horizon, the sky was clear, the clover still pungent, the buzz be- the bees buzzed. I noticed that my mother and my father were not alone. Leah stood facing her husband. By her side was Rachel. And the two women had not made a kind of peace years earlier. Blah, blah, blah. So they were talking about leaving. And then, like, here we see finally, like, the relationship that Dinah has with Jacob. Which you really don't 
see that because it's all like, like always the boys with their father. Because they're and out then, working, man. And then Dinah's like, I'm a chill in this fucking tent. <laughs> He's like, Father. The thank you, girl. May you always be a comfort to your mothers, which I thought was really sweet. Like, I was like, oh, like, he does cherish you. You may not show it because, like, you're the only girl. Well, so here's the thing. Like, he's busy. He's working. He's got shit to do. Like, he's tired when he comes home. Like, he doesn't always have time. And then he has to, like, hang out and placate his wives. He doesn't have time to, like, go hang out with his daughter. daughter. The one daughter. So, yeah. I thought that was a sweet moment that they were able to share together. I'm just like, but she didn't know what to do. This guy's got eleven boys and one girl. Yeah. (laughs) And then basically, Jacob and Laban are basically said basically twice. um, Are trying to negotiate how Jacob is going to leave and who's going to go with him and what all they're going to take. And that's basically all that happens in this chapter because it's a lot. But like, like I was saying earlier, it's like we were complaining about books previous they're like read read this entire 100 pages and nothing fucking happened and then here we are an hour into our recording and we're just like we're still going over all of the things yeah. that happened i i it was not a dull moment i will say that there was not it was good and i appreciated it and i enjoyed it and are we done going over chapters yes we're done going over the chapters okay. so <laughs> like, really quick um if we want to do discussion questions really quick uh you don't want to go over characters what you thought individually if you have any other judgments no i think okay. it's very noticeable I didn't do you have like any Rachel. theories for what will happen next <laughs> um no especially because i don't know the story uh, from the bible so i think i kind of want to look into the bible and read that and see well i sent you the link in discord for uh Okay. For Genesis 21. It's it's really short for just, I think, what's been covered in this 100 pages. And then it might parse out almost perfectly. I don't know about Dinah's story, but like the beginning does. And this still might be part of the beginning. And then you'll get into what happens to Joseph and then probably what Joseph goes to do. And I don't know what that includes with Dinah. But yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't really have any theories. Like, I like mythology-based things, but I also don't because I don't get to make wild theories like I did in The Wife Between Us. Yeah. It kind of sucks for me to be like, I can't make theories because I already know what's happening. Oh. It makes me wonder how Dinah's going to react when whatever happens to Joseph happens, though. Because she's definitely not in on the plot because she wasn't there. (laughs) But you have discussion questions, and I do not. Okay, number one. Compare Rachel's first period to yours and how society views periods. I think we kind of already went over this a little bit. Like, I was just like, I I knew it was going to happen because we had sex ed, and then it happened, and I didn't tell anyone. But and you then didn't I, have a big party. <laughs> no, and then I, I, I didn't get a Hallmark card that said congratulations, like because I didn't tell anyone. I was like, mm-hmm. And I I have an older sister, so everything I needed was already in the bathroom. So I didn't I need I didn't need to go ask. But anyway, okay, so my thing too is like they view periods as like, you know, bringing you into womanhood, whatever. They have this huge festivity that we already discussed with the the singing and the henna and, you know, the embroidery and 
things like that. Whereas like here in today's society, it's like you guys are like, can't you just stop, stop it up? Like you can control your period. Okay, but this is like first period versus like, oh, you're just being a bitch because you're on your period. Like, I feel like first periods are celebrated. Kind of like you, your dad told you, you're a woman now. That's my dad. It's not my mom saying you're a woman now. It's my dad. Like, no party was thrown. I didn't have a period party. Does anyone have a period party? I don't know. I just think. Not anymore because now we're in. Well, nowadays it's just like. This might as well happen. This is like, when I got my first period, I was like, shit, now I, now I have to deal with this extra thing every month? What the fuck? And then, but there is a podcast by Bailey Sarian called Dark History, and she does an episode on periods and, like, in certain cultures, how they look at periods and, like, how they celebrate them, if they even celebrate them at all. Because, like, there's one place and I think, somewhere in... Uh, southeast asia i believe where they basically make the females go to like a square room square cement room by themselves and let them bleed it out and then come back like they're looked at as dirty not as you know i mean isn't that kind of what happens in the red tent more so it's like i think and for me i think the red tent is kind of like this is a place where all women can be. It's not just where you're banished to a room by yourself. It's all the women come together and they talk. And like, this is their alone time to get away from them. But my next question. So I'm going to read to you this part of the book. Okay. For context. Leah kissed her husband. He kissed her. They embraced again and again. And even on the first night when she was tender from being opened by man, Leah responded to his touch. She liked the skin, the smell of him and the feel of his beard on her skin. When he entered her, she flexed her legs and her sex with his kite with a kind of strength that surprised her and delighted him. When Jacob cried with final pleasure, she was flooded by a sense of her own power. So my question is, how do you take Leah's feeling of power making Jacob come? I mean, it sounds like homegirl did her kegels, but. I think, like, isn't it like a good feeling to make your significant other come? If you can make them come like that, you're like, dang, I got this powerful pussy. And (laughs) I'm just doing great things. And I thought that was awesome. I was like, look at Leah. She's the matriarch of the family, first of all. And she's like, I know what I'm doing. So I just was like, that's cool. I thought it was a very powerful, empowering thing. We'll skip this one because we already kind of discussed it, but it was basically talking about how Rachel became Ina since she couldn't have kids herself. Yeah. I thought that was like a growth moment for Rachel for a second, and then she went back to being her. I, there's like something in the book, and we missed it going over chapter by chapter, but I do remember it. There's like one part where one... Rachel says sorry once, and then it says, like, that is the only time Rachel has ever apologized for anything. Um, But that's all I have. I do have, like, another kind of thing where it's, like, Zilpa being pregnant, and she's, like, she's happy that she doesn't have to deal with Jacob during the entirety of it. Because she's like, I'm pregnant, he's not going to want to have sex with me. I'm dusting my hands off and not dealing with it. I don't know if Jacob, like, even ever forces his wives to lay with him at any point. Like, I feel like if he was being a dick about it, they would have said something. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think so. And I think like Jacob, like he was like, it doesn't matter if Zilpha doesn't want to have sex with me because I know Leah or Rachel is right there. No, Rachel for a long time didn't didn't want to bang him. Well, Rachel's weird. <laughs> that was like the weirdest thing. She's like, You were so excited to marry this dude. And then right. you got freaked out because your older sister was an asshole to you. <laughs> <laughs> With his monster schlong. I don't <laughs> Well, like- so it's like I, we didn't go over it either, but the part where, like, Zilpa freaked her out by being, like, he's got the monster schlong, and then look at the shepherds doing terrible things to the ewes, and then Bilha takes her to go watch the dogs fornicate. <laughs> <laughs> They're just, oh, sisters. What it would be like to have sisters. At but that time, because <laughs> I'm just like... Maria, I love you like a sister. I'm not taking you to go. I'm not taking you to go watch some dogs fuck. Like that's weird. No, that's weird. No thanks. But that's all I have for discussion questions. Okay. But anyways, is that then for our episode? I, I think so. I, this one was. I oh. we're and that's only the beginning. I'm ready to see what else we have in store. I'm, I'm nervous to keep going. Because that was a lot. It was a lot. So. I was like, I'm never going to complain about a fucking boring book again. Shit. <laughs> I like this book. So. It's not going to stop me. I'm still going to complain. Um. All right. So join us next time as we review chapter two of Dinah's Story all the way to Egypt. Chapter one. Woo, woo. Hopefully Thanks we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.